Welcome to Limitless Love. I'm your host, Sony. I help powerful women find the love they deserve by cultivating more sensuality, playfulness, and abundance in their romantic lives. Are you a successful woman who is killing it in her career but can't seem to get it together when it comes to men and dating? You are used to being recognized as being the best at what you do. You've got a condo, maybe a shiny new car. You take fabulous girls trips around the world, spend your weekends wine tasting and shopping. From the outside looking in, you seem to have it all. But you're missing real romantic connection. It feels like every man you meet is wrong for you. You are meeting men who are intimidated by your success, emotionally unavailable, and you have convinced yourself that it will never happen for you. Well, I've got good news for you, babe. You're dead wrong. Real, authentic love is waiting for you. You can have it all. I know this because I have been in your shoes. In this podcast, I will help you on your path to love by sharing my expert guidance, tips and techniques. You are meant for love. You are meant to have it all. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, hey, my loves. Welcome to another episode of the Limitless Love Podcast. I'm your host, Sony Pelty, and I am so excited that you're here. Today on the show, I have a special guest, the beautiful and magnetic and talented April Dodd. April is an internationally known transformational life design coach, best-selling author, speaker, and alchemist of the Self-Priority Project. With an exceptional master's in spiritual psychology, two best-selling books, and an unshakable obsession with stalking the mystery between soulful spirituality and joyful pragmatism. April has been sharing her own generative processes for over 18 years to soulfully driven women who are so over being stuck settling for less to drop their excuses and live a life driven more powerfully by making themselves a priority than by dull mediocrity. Full of blindsiding wisdom, unique spiritual strategies for everyday living, and step-by-step soulful processes to create an extraordinary life remembering who you really are. April's straightforward and loving approach dares her clients to be the evidence of spirit finding celebration through them. April's extraordinary story of transforming her own life from growing up the youngest in a dysfunctional family through the devastating cancers that took both her parents, her near-death labor, and illness that threatened her newborn, and the savage attack of her brother is the inspiration behind her mission to live a simple but spiritually guided life and to teach her audiences the extraordinary possibilities to do the same. 
April holds a master's in spiritual psychology from the University of Santa Monica. She's the best-selling co-author of 111 Morning Meditations and 365 Days of Angel Prayers and is contributing author to seven other exceptional empowerment and inspirational books. April is an award-winning actress in musical theater in Austin, Texas, and she resides with her husband, two children, and a sock-stealing Labrador. Oh, April, I am so, so excited to have you on the show and so <laughs> excited for our conversation. So welcome. Thank you, Sony. It's so beautiful to be here. It's so fun to hear you read that and, and kind of pinch myself that you're reading that about me and my mission and how long it's been with me. So it's so beautiful to hear that shared in such a way. So thank you. And thank you for having me here. Absolutely. It's so beautiful to just read. Like I had this chills reading your, your intro. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a fun journey for sure. Yes, yes, yes. So April, you know, I wanted to talk today about self-love. I have been, the whole month of February has been about self-love for me. And that's what I have been talking to my girls about. And I riff a lot on self-love. And for me, it's very important. And I feel it's like the crux of all relationships, not just romantic relationships. And mm -hmm. I know my women hear a lot from me. So I like bringing on guests so they can share their perspectives on self-love and how it has helped them in their life and transformed their life. So I know you have a beautiful story that's rooted in self-love. So how about you share with us your story? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, you know, everybody has a story and I love listening to the stories that us women have been on and their journeys to unfolding and becoming ourselves. And, you know, my journey, of course, is everybody's journey starts a long time ago when we were, you know, facing the family that we grew up in and all the admonitions and all the beliefs that were settling inside of us that we took hold of and believed and bought into and that we started living out as we grew. And those things started to shape and mold into, for me, for different kinds of um, relationships, of course, and different ways that I showed up in the world. And so, you know, I guess the story that I, I think you want me to share is it starts with the fact that I had my head to the floor in prayer one night. I uh, was crying so hard and begging God and crying with my forehead touching the floor in a tiny little efficiency apartment here in Austin, Texas, because my boyfriend or my ex-boyfriend at the time had lived in the same apartment complex as me. It was like a little Melrose place. It was, you know, you came in the gate and closed the gate and then you were in this pool area surrounded by all the apartments. And what I didn't know when I first started dating him was he was a uh, what's called a dry drunk. He was a uh, recovering alcoholic. He didn't tell me, but he started behaving in ways as if he was drinking, but he wasn't drinking. Mm. And I didn't know that. I didn't know there was such a thing. And with my background of my father being an alcoholic and me having codependent tendencies, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it was very easy for me to get into this relationship. And so. We were dating and whatever, we broke up and he started dating the girl across the pool from me. So when I looked out of my peephole, 
I could see him walking up the stairs with his pillow and she would greet him at the door and kiss him and then the door would close. And it was just excruciating. And I just, you know, remember putting my head to the floor and asking God, what do I need to say? What do I need to do? Like, Mm -hmm. I need to get out of this mess. And the next day I took a walk with my spiritual teacher and we sat on his porch swing. He's an old man. And he, we sat on the porch swing and I told him the whole story. And I was pretty fierce about it. I was pretty upset that I felt like I was asking the right questions and begging God and like nothing was changing. And so he just patted my knee. And, and after I had shared with him, I said, look, I hate my hair. I hate my job. I hate my boyfriend. I hate where I live. I hate my life, you know, like all these things. And he just patted me on the knee and he said, start with your hair. And it was the most ridiculous, but most simple suggestion advice. And I did. I started with my hair and I I had bangs at the time. So I started growing them out Uh and then I started doing other things in very simple ways, but really, really paying attention to what my heart wanted. And that's what he was saying. And so I signed up for a master's program out in, uh, in LA, in Santa Monica. And it took me there for two years for a weekend every month, except for the summer. And in that program, in the second year, you got to do something called a life project, something you've always wanted to do, but something got in your way. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a belief, maybe a relationship, maybe maybe it was, you know, you joined the army or got pregnant, something got in your way. And my dream was to get on stage and sing because I had been told when I was little, I was an awful singer. And that's a whole nother story. But the practices that we did to overcome our fears, to love ourselves through the journey of facing our fears were the tools that helped me to eventually meet my husband. And I remember at our university, we had what was called like a tea party. There was 250 of us mm-hmm. mingling in a room. And we were pretending that our final dream had come true. And we were mingling in the room and talking to each other as if it had come true. And so I was talking about how I'm on stage and I'm winning awards and how much I love it. And then toward the end of the whole thing, I finally came up to someone and I told them my whole feel how great everything was. Again, this has not happened yet, but we're stepping into it by living it out in that moment. Right, right. I I finally said, and I met the man of my dreams. And I just kind of was like, where did that come from? But I went with it, you know. Anyway, I did that. I got on stage, blah, blah, blah. I then went to my spiritual teacher and he was telling me, April, if you can get a master's degree in spiritual psychology, you can meet the man of your dreams. I said, okay, sure, but how do I do that? I don't go to bars. I'm not, you know, I don't chase people. So he said, you know, go online. I said, I am absolutely not going online. So this is, what is this, 2001. And, you know, so before you had iPhones where you could swipe and whatever, however it works now. Yeah, yeah. No, because I'm not (laughs) online. But I said, no, and I refused. So that was like 2000 is when he said that to me. And in 2001, February, I was in my apartment having so much fun with myself again. I had fallen in love with myself so much that I just really enjoyed being with me. Yeah. And 
I had pictures of myself in my apartment that I had used to really talk to, to really love on myself. Mm-hmm. I had practices that I was doing every single day to really nurture the young one in me, the teenager in me that got hurt, you know, the, the other versions of me that needed some healing. And I applied some practices that um, I offer in my self-priority project and that my clients use so that we can deepen the love for ourselves, forgive ourselves for those heavy judgments we've placed on ourselves for old relationships and so on and so on. And here I was again in February of 2000, I guess that was 2002. It was right after September 11th. And uh, it was February after September 11th. And I'm in my a new apartment because, of course, I moved out of the apartment where I could see my ex-boyfriend with his new girlfriend, soon to be his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and I was having a lot of fun. And it was like 11 at night. And I thought, you know what? I really wish I had somebody to enjoy me with. And so I checked it out. I had my big clunker of a computer, like those big, heavy desktop ones, you know, with the tower and all that. And it wasn't very reliable, but I went on and I filled out a profile and I, you know, labored over this. How should I say this? I want to be really authentic, but I don't want to be, you know, I didn't want to seem like I was pushy or too strong. You know, all those questions that come up when you're trying to write a profile. And so I wrote my profile And then something happened and it deleted. And I was like, God damn it. (laughs) Like I spent so much time trying to perfect that, right? But I took that as a sign from the universe. April, tell the truth. Just tell the truth. You don't want to have to fake anything. You don't want to have to pretend anything. You don't want to attract what you used to attract. You know what you want. Mm -hmm. And then my teacher's words, April, if you can get a master's in spiritual psychology, you can get the man of your dreams. So I wrote out another one and then I went to bed and it was a Saturday morning. I woke up early. I went to my exercise class. I came back. I did my, you know, my feminine practices of really just loving on myself, my affirmations, my journaling. Uh And then I turned on my computer and it was 930 in the morning and there were four emails from match.com. And mind you, I did not put up a picture on my profile because I knew that I would get people who just were responding based on how I looked and I didn't want that. Wow. That's beautiful. And yeah, it was, I really took it as an experiment actually. Hmm. Um, I went on with the intention not to meet the man of my dreams. I went on with the intention to have someone to enjoy me with, where I could be myself and have fun with. I really was like, you know what? If I have a wedding to go to, who am I going to call that I can go and have fun with? Right, right. And that was my intention. Yeah. April, it's so beautiful that you said that because when I teach women, I tell them to just go out and date for fun and not for finding a husband because... When we do that, our energy just changes because we look at every man and we think that, is he the one? Is he the one? So it's very interesting and it's beautiful that you said that, that you just went with the intention of just having fun, having somebody to attend weddings with or just have fun with, right? Or who can can just cherish you and have fun with you. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was going to my master's program, 
the first the first year I did it. And I had met this guy named Dallas. I mean, the name alone <laughs> to me <laughs> conjures up like swinger kind of guy. But anyway, he picked me up um, at my apartment to go to the airport, drive me to the airport. And I remember him saying, and we had only like gone out a few times, but I remember him saying, so what's this spiritual psychology crap you're studying? And the wall just came up in me and I knew instantly yeah. I am not going to explain myself. Mm -hmm. I am not going to ever see this guy again. I will thank him for the ride and I will be done. Now, the old me would have softened it. I would have watered it down. I would have tried, you know, come from the place of making excuses and minimizing myself. Right. But I didn't do that. And, and I think that was really, you know, the beginning of practicing drawing my boundaries about what I want and that I can stand for what I want. And when I went on match.com and I got those four emails, um, you know, I kept them in separate folders so I could keep track of who was who. And, you know, I had guys on match.com say to me, I have the perfect guy for you. His name is Jesus. And it was a, it was a great test for me. It was a really great experiment. How am I going to respond? How is the, the April that I want to be in relationship going to respond to this? Not how is that, you know, the old April going to respond? How is the April that I am stepping more into going to respond to this? So sometimes I didn't respond at all. Yeah. I didn't want to engage in being triggered. Mm -hmm. And in other emails, I would write back, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I plan to find someone, you know, this is great. Well, however, I worded it at the time. But <clears throat> that morning that I, I came back and found four emails, one of them was my now husband. Mm -hmm. And I went on four dates. And I think it was, I think my husband was the third one I went on. And by the fourth one, and I went for tea uh, or coffee. I didn't go on, you know, to a date with, at a bar. Or anything. I didn't go out to dinner or anything like that. It was, uh -huh. was got to be during the day uh, where it was bright light. Um, I didn't let them walk me to my car. I didn't let them pick me up, anything like that. I met them there and we had tea and then that was it. Paul is my husband. Mm -hmm. And he was the first one that he might've been the first one that I, I went to meet. I'm not sure, but I remember everybody after that, I remember thinking, please don't be better than Paul <laughs> because I didn't want <clears throat> to have to make such a hard decision. It yeah. felt like it would have been a really hard decision if everybody was as great as he was. But after, so, so Paul and I met, we met uh, about a week or two later at a coffee shop. And when I came, he was there already. He was reading a book by Maya Angelou. Wow. And he had kept his promise that he would buy me tea. And so he got up and he you know, brought me tea and we talked for hours Yeah, and just had fun. And he didn't talk about any ex-girlfriends. He didn't start, you know, once they found a lot of the guys, once they found out that I was a coach, mm -hmm. which was brand new at the time, nobody back then was a coach. They would start telling me their problems or telling me about their ex-wives or, and I didn't even want anybody who had been married before. So, you know, like they must've lied on their profile. Yeah. So it was really refreshing to be with Paul. Mm -hmm. But I remember at the end of our date, which by the way, we, I, I forgot to say this, we met uh, on match.com on February 24th. 
so it was in February, and it was actually just yesterday. And it was our anniversary, and he brought he bought me flowers, um, pink flower, pink roses, which is what he knows that I love. Which he came to every single one of my shows when I was on stage, and he came with pink roses every single time. And so that was a really sweet gesture that he brought that yesterday. But when when I met Paul, and we went. We had our date and we were walking out to the cars. I didn't let him walk me to my car. Uh-huh. Call me old fashioned or call me scared. I didn't want somebody to, you know, seem like they're great at first and then, you know, have oh, me in a dark parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, I think we might have hugged and I said, it was nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. And he being the stubborn man he is too, he said, it's nice to meet you. It was nice to meet you too. And that was it. There was no awkward, should we kiss? There was no awkward, should I say, see you again? Can we date sometime? Like, it, there's yeah. none of that. It was it was just really clean. And that's how I intended to keep it. Uh, he followed up the next day with an email um, saying it was really great to meet you and all these other things. I actually have two years worth of emails printed out in two books that I gave him for our wedding gift to him. Oh, that surprise. is so beautiful, April. <laughs> From the from our profiles to our first email exchanges to our you know loving and romantic exchanges, but it was the next day after uh, our first meeting that he sat, followed up with an email, and then we just kept emailing for a few days. And then I think I asked him. I said, "Hey, I'm hungry for some dinner. Maybe he asked me. I don't remember." And we went out to eat, and it really was just a really beautiful time. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the beginning of our story. But I will say this. In January, before I met Paul, I was waiting for a client and who was arriving late. And so I had back then a Palm Pilot. You might remember. Yes. <laughs> old devices. And I remember I was really getting clear that I, I was ready to find somebody to, to be with mm-hmm. and to share myself with. And I sat there at that restaurant waiting for my client and I wrote out everything that I wanted in my relationship, not just what I wanted him to be, but how I wanted to feel about myself in the relationship. Oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Right. And I did this in what's called an ideal scene, which is something that I teach in my self-priority project, these these manifesting tools. Mm -hmm. And I was very specific. And I remember saying, to God, okay, God. And I, you know, I used to be afraid to claim what I wanted. I used to be afraid to claim that I wanted him to, you know, make a lot of money yeah, or to have, you know, enjoyable parts of his body, whatever it was. I would used to be afraid to say that. And so I went for it. I really went for it in this time that I was waiting for my client writing on my Palm Pilot, what I really wanted in my man. And then I think it was either that night or a couple of days later, I had a dream that I was in a classroom and I was passing notes with a man or boy that I really loved and he really loved me. And that, I don't know if you've ever had those dreams that just, you know, they're so real and the emotion is so big that you wake up still in that space and wishing that you could go back to that dream. This was that kind of dream where I had found the one. And when I met Paul, he had that same energy as the man in my dream. Oh, so, so I knew that I was on course, right? You've got to pay yes. attention to those signs and, and the, the way you're manifesting and, and continue to pay attention 
and also continue to love yourself. I didn't stop doing what I was doing when I met him, as I had done in my previous relationships. I continued to act on stage. I continued to see my friends. I continued to have date nights by myself. You know, I still did those things. Whereas in the past, I used to give those things up so I could be whatever the man wanted me to be. Yes. So so it's, not, yeah. you're not losing yourself in the relationship. Yeah. You are still who right. you are. He just comes in and just becomes this part of your life, but he doesn't take over your life. That's so beautiful, April. Yes. Yeah. 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 So the tools I think are really um, what I would give credit to and my focus on them. Yes. Um, I, I think without our, you know, feminine practices, without our um, self-love practices, or I don't think that I could have met my husband. I think I would have met him, maybe dated him, but I don't think I could have sustained the relationship. Yeah. I, I saw here you April and my story is somewhat similar to yours too. Like I focused a lot on myself and loved myself. I love when you said that you had pictures of you in your house and like you would talk to them. I have this huge picture of me in my bathroom and I just love my picture. I just love on me. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. That yes. is just so I would, fun. I'll stand in the mirror and then just say such beautiful things to me. And my now yeah. husband, he just jokes with me. He's like, you stand in front of the mirror and you tell yourself, I love you. And then you talk, your, talk back to yourself. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> but he probably loves that about you. Oh, he like, does. That is what is so attractive about you is when, when, when they see us doing us, just being us loving ourselves and being joyful with that and creative and spontaneous and mysterious. That's what's so attractive. Not when I drop it and then say, Oh, what do you want to do? Oh, did you not like that picture? I'll, you know, put his picture up instead. Right. Which right. Is nice, but it's not it. You know, I think your husband really probably loves that you do. That. Oh yes, totally. And we are married now and I still have my picture. <laughs> <laughs> and we have our own picture too but my picture still is <laughs> mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I, I love I also loved how you said that you got really clear and you took out your palm pilot and you wrote exactly how you want to feel with the man and that's what I talk about when I teach women how to manifest their dream life or their dream man and I did something similar. I actually wrote a letter to the universe and I got very clear on exactly how I wanted to feel in the relationship and what I wanted in my man. And like you said, right, not feeling shy about, oh, he should be making money or he should be spiritual or he should have X, Y, Z, or we should have great sexual chemistry, whatever it was, right? There was, and then when I started as the dating relationship progressed for us, I'm like, oh my God, he is like 97% of what I wrote down. So I am so happy that you shared this because I ramble about this all the time. I talk about it, the importance of getting clear about, you know, knowing exactly what you, how you want to feel in a relationship. Because just like you said, uh, the old me wouldn't have, even dated my husband. Yeah, right. <laughs> or be able to sustain that relationship. For sure. Not not with my old beliefs, not with my old pattern. Absolutely. And, and I, I think, you know, the strongest intention wins. And 
if my intention is to prove that I'm worthy, then proving is going to win and I'm going to show up differently. Absolutely. If my intention is to have fun and be myself, that's really clean and clear. And it takes a lot of courage. I mean, there were some people that had, um, you know, became a running joke with my husband and I about who was trying to send us messages, you know, on match.com. And I had like, I don't know, a thousand something. And he had a couple hundred. And so we were laughing about some of these people who would, you know, make comments or whatever to me. And it was a real courageous act for me. And it was a safe place for me to practice, but it still felt scary sometimes to reply to some people who weren't very nice or who, you know, I had to say no to. And it was a really good practice for me not to feed the old me that wanted to please everyone and not to hurt anyone. And so it really was helpful for me to take that time to write down who I wanted to be and who I wanted to meet to, to enjoy that me. It was, you know, almost coming from the place of envisioning my future best self in relationships. Yes. And then practice, like what practices do I have that, that, ingrain the belief that she has into my brain. What practices can I do today that will help to ingrain the beliefs that my future best self has? And if I don't have those practices, then I'm obviously adopting old patterns that maybe my mom's mindset or my sister's mindset. You know, there was a man that um, I had been in love with for the longest time. We actually met when I was a senior in high school and he was my boss. He was a year older than me. He was my boss at the local diner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a cute little story. <laughs> but I was so, so in love with him. Yeah. But I went off to college and I cheated on him and he was kind. He said, you know, I love you so much, but this is too good of a thing at the wrong time. And and then I missed him. Mm-hmm. And I had held onto him in my heart for a very long time. We had been friends after that, but I, when I moved to Austin and before I, or as I was dating that man that started dating a woman across the pool from me, my old boyfriend had lived here in Austin too. And he started dating the girl who lived behind me, but he wasn't living in our apartment complex. Anyway, I was in the laundry room one day with my boyfriend and he came around and he said, uh, my old boyfriend had come around and said, guess what? We're getting married. And I remember my heart sank. Oh, yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, how can I feel like this about him if I'm in love with my boyfriend? But I still, I'm feeling really sad that my old boyfriend's getting married. And I went to an energetic healer once and he and I were having a session and he looked at my hands and he said, who are you married to? I said, I'm not married. He said, yes, you are. And I said, no, I'm not married. He said, yes, you are. You've been holding on to him for 12 years. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, he was right. And what I came to realize, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the guy nailed it. What I came to realize was I wasn't so much in love with him, my old boyfriend, as I was in love with me, who I was in the relationship. Yes. And I realized that in all certainty, the January before I met my husband. And when I realized that I was in love with the relationship and in love with myself rather than the man, 
mm-hmm. changed everything for me. Yes. So, so writing down who I was really helped me to establish some practices that I could do mantras and affirmations and pictures and things like that to embed those beliefs of her and my future best self in my brain. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I was adopting old stuff and I didn't right. want to do that anymore. Yes, yes. And it's so beautiful that you said that. And I feel like when we are holding on to a relationship, like he said, you are married. And for 12 years, we don't attract the right kind of men because we really aren't available ourselves subconsciously, right? Exactly. Yes. So that's why also when women come to me and ask me, why am I attracting unavailable men? Why am I not finding men who really want a relationship? So when we dig deep down and see, are we really available for a relationship? Are we free ourselves? Yes. Are we free ourselves? And, you know, when I hear that question, I always go back to the self. How are you not available for yourself? Absolutely. Yes. You know, for those of us who tend to people, please, for those of us, like I was the youngest of six, so I was taught to lean on everybody. Everybody was doing something for me all the time. I didn't really get the chance to learn how to take care of myself until, you know, later in life. And I, it was actually recently that I was noticing a way that I was leaning again. And I looked in the mirror and I, it came out in such a different way. It came out as like, if I got really real, it came out as, you know, I never really wanted to take care of you is what I said to myself in the mirror. It wasn't a mean thing. It was an awareness of, oh my gosh, I've never really wanted to take care of you. Yeah. I've wanted others to do it. I've wanted the man to do it. I've wanted my job to do it, my kids do it, whatever. Mm. And that was a real, you know, shaker of an awareness of, oh my gosh, I've been leaning on people and things and places because I never really wanted to take care of myself. That's really deep. So there's some work there still left for me, you know, even now. Um, that, that I treasure though, having the tools that I can walk myself through it. And I think everybody needs to have the tools because otherwise we are at the whim of our old beliefs and adopting other people's ways. Absolutely. And I feel like it's a lifelong journey. Um, We heal. And then after a while we realize, oh my God, we still have so much more to do, right? It's never ending process. Being there for ourselves is a never-ending process, right? For sure, because, I mean, it's more of a, like a spring, if you imagine a spring. We, we circle around on different levels of the spring, and we, we keep meeting some of the more vertical patterns we have. Like, if you imagine, like, um, a vertical line, and then you imagine, and on that vertical line are our patterns. And, and then the spring is kind of going around it. You will meet that vertical line at different levels as you grow yes. on the spring, but there's a different level of the pattern. And I have children now and my old patterns still come up and they come up in different ways that I didn't have to look at before. Right. And so it's never to ever, you know, the big danger is to think that, you know, something, <laughs> The open mind and the beginner's mind is 
is where you will find your most healing places because you will constantly learn. Yes. If you're saying to yourself, I should have known this by now. I should have learned this by now. It's not that. I mean, forgive yourself for ever buying into the belief that you should ever get it. It's today. I understand it at this place. And I'm going to use that today. Tomorrow, you might get triggered and that'll show you where you're still currently blocked or a new level of the block. And so it's really about having the grace and forgiveness through the journey. So when I showed up with my husband and I was, you know, had started some old patterns, I was so grateful to have the tools to really be gentle with myself and with him. And I think that's the only way we could have made it this far. I agree 100%. So, you know, I have tools that I rely on myself when I get triggered, when my stuff from my past marriage comes up. I cannot even imagine if I didn't have tools, how I would be emotionally dumping on my now husband. Oh, my gosh. That's almost embarrassing when I think about it. Yes. (laughs) And like, wow, how much I expected him to take care of me. How much I expected him to take care of my emotions when he's like fumbling, like, I don't even know what to do with this. You know, know, it's it's showing up, being able to say, I'm feeling sad. Like this morning, you know, he asked me, there's something going on with my daughter. And I just said, I'm feeling really sad. I'm feeling really heavy. You know, men being fixers, they just want to know what we're feeling. And then they'll, you know, go for the fix. But to expect him to solve my problem or to just listen right off the bat. That's a heavy load for men. That's not, that's something I had to learn that they're not, that's just, that's just not how they operate. That's not how they're wired. Even my son, I watched my daughter try to talk to him and say, I'm just sharing my feelings. And he's like itching to get away from the conversation because she's dumping on him. Yes. And watching my daughter and my son is a great reflection of, any parts of me that still do these really small and limiting, needy, clingy, leaning kind of ways. You know, my spiritual teacher once was having uh, our weekly meditation group and I got there early and I got my cushion and I sat it by the wall and I sat down and he was up there waiting for everyone else to come in and he was lighting incense and I just closed my eyes and I started early and, and he casually was just lighting the incense and he says, you know, you lean in meditation, you lean in life. And I popped my eyes open. He's looking right at me. And then he wow. went back to lighting his incense. And he was right. I, I was leaning on the wall. And ever since then, I do not lean. I don't lean on the wall because it was a reflection of all the different ways that I lean. And yes. so that's something that I'm constantly looking at so that I can show up as my best self in this relationship. Oh my God, April, that gave me chills. Thank you so much for sharing that. So what tools can you share that women, self-love tools, self-love perspectives that women can adopt and use when they see themselves leaning? Well, I think the first tool is you need to have some awareness and to slow yourself down enough to actually take that awareness in. I think so many of us are just on autopilot. We see something, you know, I watched my daughter do this. She notices that what she's doing is is not working, but she'll keep going in a different method, hoping to make it work in her favor. Instead of using that awareness to go, ah, I'm doing that again. 
and then having the next practice in place. So that can be a number of things. You know, what worked for me was uh, I did something called a 32-day process. And you can do this with any uh, anything, any kind of pattern you want to break. I took a picture of uh, my little, um, I guess she was maybe three. And I hung it on my wall. And I talked to her every day. But I talked to her in really um, affirming ways. And, but I also at night, I had a piece of paper under my pillow and it was just an empty calendar that had 32 squares on it. And every night for 32 days in a row, I would put my hand on my heart and I committed to one minute because that's all I felt like I could commit to. Um, Because I didn't want to fail myself and break further trust with myself. I put my hand on my heart and I closed my eyes and I would envision her and I wouldn't control the image because that just reflected to me how controlling I am. (laughs) But I would let the image come forward of her and I would try to have a conversation in my head with her. And what I did was I saw this little girl in, in, in and she appeared in my old house uh, where my three sisters and I shared a room. And my dad was passed out drunk in my big sister's bed. And this is the image that my little girl had brought forward for me in my mind. And I would visit her in that bedroom where she sat coloring to protect my father every night for 32 nights. And sometimes I would fall asleep afterward and that's okay. I just, you know, gave myself, you know, some grace there, but I would commit to a minute. Sometimes I'd go five, sometimes I'd go three. And then eventually she would start talking to me and eventually she would tell me, um, she would let me see her color and I would compliment her. And you can feel in that kind of exchange, you know, when she's, your inner little one is like, yeah, you're full of, you're full of baloney here. Like that's BS. I don't believe you. I don't trust you. And then you can respond to that. Like I get why you wouldn't trust me. And I really hear you. And, and I'm sorry. Like you start having those kinds of conversations with yourself. Well, she, I got a little controlling in that experience and tried to um, have her leave the bedroom thinking that was what was best for her. She wouldn't leave. In fact, she dragged me over to the bed and let me sit on the bed with my dad. And she just put her arm on my dad and just chatted with me like we were sitting on a park bench, you know, but she wasn't leaving. She was protecting him. But she did let me envision taking down one of the walls so she could go outside and play, but she could still see me and my dad. And with all the love that I had been getting her and that relationship she was having with my father, it allowed me to open up to new ways of having relationship, not just with myself, but I didn't have to save a man. I didn't have to protect the man that I could still be loving with myself. And I could keep an eye if I needed to, Mm -hmm. but I could be free of taking care of a man. And after that 32 days, I, I was a changed woman. So that is one tool I would highly recommend. Love Find that. a picture that you love of yourself, that you can see every day, talk to every day, and then trust what comes up inside you. She might say something back to you. You can even do what's called left-hand, right-hand writing. You take your non-dominant hand and you let her write back to you. And then you take your dominant hand and you write your answer to her and you go back and forth. And it's a really deep way to get into your subconscious, the the beliefs that are in place that are keeping you from loving yourself Mm -hmm. and, you know, moving into something new because you've got some old beliefs. I love that. I'm going to do that. 
<laughs> myself. I would love to hear it. And I always promise anybody who did a 32-day process, I always promise this to my clients that they get an extra 30-minute session with me. That's it's not awesome. as easy as you think, but it is transformative. And I just love to talk and hear the results and, and the wins. This is beautiful, April. I am just loving our conversations and I am sure everybody listening, there's so many golden nuggets in here. Such a beautiful conversation. And I'm sure everybody is going to learn a lot. <laughs> and this was, this was amazing. April, why don't you share with us where everybody can find you and how people listening can connect with you? Yeah. Well, there's two places. I have a new website that is undergoing reconstruction right now. But if you go to my website, aprildodd.com, there are some freebies on that page that you can have. And uh, one of them will also direct you to uh, my new Facebook group that just opened in January called Spiritual Mom Babes, where I'm giving these tools and tactics and tips for those of us who are not just moms and not just spiritual, but those who are on the self-love journey. And as of today, I will also be starting what's called 50 to 50. It's, uh, today is, the, is 50 days before I turn 50, which I'm having, you know, those questions about turning 50. Awesome. So I've decided that, you know, the 50-year-old that I envisioned I would be uh, and those parts of me that aren't there yet, I'm going to take these next 50 days to do those things to live into those things, to start to manifest those things, to move the needle on those things every single day. And I'm taking my spiritual mom babe along with me. And it's really just going to be a time of nurturing and connection and manifesting and enjoying myself. And anybody who wants to come with me who has something that they are looking to, you know, not only just have some accountability in, but something to really create for themselves and just get some tips and tools along the way and some love and We'll be doing some prizes and things like that. Um, we're doing that in the Spiritual Mom Babes group. And so if that's not for you, that's great. But uh, check a look, take a look at my website. You've got some freebies right on that page, aprildodd.com. And I'd love to have anyone who uh, is a divine woman having a self-love experience come and join me. That sounds great. I think I'm going to sign up for that. <laughs> <laughs> It'll going, be fun. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes so everybody can get easily access those links. So it was so, so, so wonderful having you, April. Thank you for sharing your beautiful journey with us and all your, all your tools and perspectives. It was absolutely wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm just so, I'm just blessed to be here with you and this community. And I just send so much light to all the ladies listening who have any parts of them inside that are doubting their worth that uh, I just send so much light to those parts of you. I just can't wait to see you along the journey. Thank you so much. And you have a wonderful day, April. You too. You too. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you have loved this episode, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And if you really love this episode, I'd love if you beauties can leave me a review. For more love and dating advice, join my private Facebook community, Limitless Love. And for daily inspiration and fun, come hang out with me on Instagram at 
Sony Pelty. Until next time.